Hey, LifePoint family, we're gonna get to the message in just a moment, so don't turn this off. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to be a part of what we call a tradition around here. We don't have very many, but it's our one tradition. And so no matter if you're a part of a campus or you're a part of our online family, really doesn't matter your zip code, your state, your country, we wanna invite you to be a part of this season because together we're a part of something really, really special. You know, this is a season where we stretch our faith, where we align our heart around the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And we're, we're theming this series, Here I Am. And it's not really a series, it's a season. It's an opportunity for us to say, God, I'm available. And you know, we conclude every year with an offering, a, a gift over and above our regular giving, where we just say, God, here I am, stretch my faith, align my heart to yours. And I wanna personally invite you to be a part of that. Maybe you'd consider a one-time gift or, or maybe you'd give a reoccurring gift. However you do it, we just want you to be a part. I want you to go to lifepoint.org give to see how you can participate today. And I want you to know this, that whatever you give, we're very, very grateful. I know this season has been challenging for all of us and we're convinced now more than ever that people need the life and the love and the hope that a ministry like this brings. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being a part. And together, we're making a difference in the lives of so many. Now, I hope you enjoy today's message. Come on, Life Point, since you're on your feet, can you give Jesus some praise? Can you honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? God, we declare that you're holy, you're mighty, you're worthy, you're awesome. You're worthy of all praise and more God we adore you God we magnify you God we worship you hallelujah Jesus you guys doing well today you know I'm, I'm sitting on the front row both services and I'm like pull it together Stephen pull it together you got to get up they brought you to preach they didn't bring you to cry <laughs> I tell you I'm, this is a bad introduction I'm not a crier I'm a thug and thugs don't cry but there is something about the presence of God in this place, whether you're at a campus or watching online. And you know, sometimes you can be so close to something that you don't realize how good you have it. And it takes your brother from another mother all the way up in Columbia, Maryland to let you know you are a blessed people, you are a special people. What you get to experience every Sunday in this place, this is the atmosphere for miracles. And I just sense, even as we were worshiping, that chains were falling. There's somebody that's been battling with an addiction and God has set you free in the name of Jesus. There's a couple that's believing for a child and doctors told you that you couldn't have children. God is healing your womb right now. You will have children in the name of Jesus. God is healing. God is moving. This is the atmosphere of miracles. I'm telling you, God is arresting in this place wherever you're joining us. God is in this place and he has something special for you today. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. You know, biblically, a father would, would identify who his favorite child was by, by gifts that they give. I'm, I'm one of five and I am my parents' favorite. Um, they have not yet admitted I have my brother in the front row. He's accepted it. I just need my parents to vocalize it. I, I am their favorite. Biblically, though, a father would identify his favorite by giving them special gifts. If you remember, Joseph's dad gave him a Gucci coat just to let his other 
That's my Bible translation. <laughs> Gave him the coat of many colors and say, hey, this is my favorite son. So you can tell a father's favorite by the gifts that they give him. Well, the Bible says that your pastors are a gift to the house from God. Life point, you have to understand, you must be God's favorite based by the pastors that he is giving you. Your pastors aren't normal, they're not average. They love you, they have a heart for your fulfillment. Can you honor God for the pastors, pastor? Hallelujah. Pastor Daniel and Pastor Tammy have been just such amazing friends in our lives. I've known them for over six years and they have been some of the most generous people that I've ever experienced or encountered. And a lot of what God is doing at our church and through our lives is because of the investment that they've made in us. So I'm, I'm just grateful, I'm thankful. Y'all ready to preach? Yeah. Go ahead and grab your seat. You can grab your seat and turn to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter one. We're gonna read uh, from verse eight down to 11. And while you turn there, if they could throw up a picture of my family, I want you guys to see why I am so blessed and also why I am so rested. That is my beautiful family. My oldest is four. Her name is Zoe. She goes by Zozo. That's her rapper name. Then my youngest is Roman. He is two. Roro is his rapper name. You can figure out how creative his parents are. Then that is the best thing that has happened to me this side of eternity. My beautiful wife, I call her my African queen. Her name is Zainab Inger Chandler. I'm put all her government out there. Uh, she hails from Sierra Leone, West Africa, and is just one of the most amazing, anointed uh, people I've ever encountered, and just my greatest gift. You can take that down, and, and I'm grateful for my family, and I'm also grateful that they're home, and I'm here, which means I had a really good sleep last night. <laughs> anyway, with two-year-olds, no, sleep doesn't come very often, and I said, can I stay just one more night? If I, could, I, I fell asleep last night, I forgot to plug in my phone, my computer was open, my light was on, like I just knocked out, but that's great because now I'm ready to preach for three hours and it is going to be <laughs> five people just ran for the door. First Samuel chapter one, first Samuel chapter one, verse eight. Let me give you some context before we jump into this. There's a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was barren. She was unable to have children and she was crying out to God that, that he would heal her, that she would be able to have children. She, she had a husband named Elkanah and, and, and he was a godly man. He just wasn't that godly. Um, he believed in God. He, he just didn't believe in God enough to have one wife. So uh, he had two. And um, it, it was bad because the other wife was able to have children and she was constantly rubbing it in Hannah's face, humiliating her and, and, and making fun of her. Um, I'm not trying to be ignorant, but um, I, I can't imagine having two wives. Um, keeping one happy is enough <laughs> trouble for an entire year, more or less two. And okay, now he wasn't doing a good job at it. And where we pick up Hannah's crying out to God, in verse eight, it says this, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? It's Thanksgiving, come on, eat. He said, why is your heart grieved? Insert dumb statement by husbands. Most things husbands say are anointed. This is not. He goes, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Why are you crying? You got me. I feel like she cried more after that statement. By the way, this isn't a marriage series or a marriage message, but let me help your marriage out a little bit. Wives, if your husband says something dumb, you, you need to respond the way that Hannah did. 
Look how she responded. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. You missed it. He says something dumb. Hannah says nothing. You don't have to respond. Don't, if you say something, it's going to be the wrong thing. Hannah said, you know what? Let me just keep all the Jesus I got inside of me because if I open my mouth, you're not going to get Jesus. She just arose. So now Eli, the priest, was sitting at the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. I love how specific she was that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and he will always have dreadlocks. I mean, and no razor <laughs> shall come upon his head. Y'all gonna figure out I'm pretty crazy. Hey, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, that you desire to show your glory to the people. You said in your word that you display your power before the people. You are the worker of miracles. God, we thank you in this moment. You're healing broken hearts, God. You're healing sick bodies. You're, you're expanding businesses. You're giving us vision and dreams. God, you're speaking to your people. And God, we preemptively make the decision that when you speak, we will obey. We say, here we are. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? I don't know about you. I, I, I'm ready for Thanksgiving. I, I, I fast three days. I, I work out. That's all a lie. I didn't do anything but get ready. I, I love Thanksgiving, though, because I like to eat. And, and I know Thanksgiving is about being thankful and all that other foolishness, but I, I think it's about eating. It's, it's one of those days where, where the word gluttony actually comes to your mind. You, you begin to think, okay, what is that line? At what point is it sin? And I come right up to that line of gluttony and I have one piece of pie right over it, just, 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 just right over the edge. Uh, I love Thanksgiving. I love to eat. I love to get around family. But I also love it because it's kind of like the beginning of the holiday season. Once Thanksgiving comes, it is the holidays. I don't know about you, but I have my Christmas tree up already. I am, I am like a little elf. I love holidays. I love Christmas. I love purchasing gifts. It's, it's just my Deal. How many, any overachievers that you're finished all your Christmas shopping? You're just a weirdo. Look, look, what is wrong with you? I mean, just, it's not even December yet and you're completely, anybody like me, you've started. You haven't finished, but come on, you've started. I've started too. I've bought all the gifts for me. I just need to get gifts for my family and then I have it all taken care of. How many people you, you haven't started already? Online, watching at home or what? You, you haven't started already. You like the thrill of the chase. You, you, you like Christmas Eve, elbowing people out of the way and grabbing the last little piece of gift. How, how many people you have no intentions of buying gifts for anybody at all? You're like, listen, knowing me, come on, Scrooge, knowing me is a gift. Consider yourself gifted that you get to look upon this face. I, I love just the idea and the time of getting gifts and trying to figure out what people like. I just don't mess with malls anymore. 
You, you go to the mall, it's like traffic everywhere. People are crashing cars, trying to get the same parking space. And I'm just, I'm over all of that. So I've been online shopping. I guess this year, you know, with all that's going on, everybody's going to be online shopping. But I've been online shopping for years and years and years. And it's changed over the years. Anybody remember about 10 years ago when if you wanted to shop for Christmas online, you had to do it three months in advance? Because it took so long for that item to ship to your house. Like, if you didn't do it in time, it was going to get there by, like, you, you know, Valentine's Day is when it was coming to your house. It's back when it took 30 days to ship, but there was only a seven-day return policy. So by the time you got your item, it was 21 days past the return. I don't care if it's the wrong color, wrong size, you're going you're gonna to keep it. Nowadays, though, they have three-day shipping. They, they have two-day shipping. They have overnight shipping. You can literally purchase something today, and it be on your doorstep like 8 p.m. the night. They have the little ticker. If you, if you put buy now in the next four minutes and 23, 22, 21, you can have it this night. And, and while the speed of shipping has changed, the quality and customer service of shipping has changed as well. I don't know if I grew up in Mayberry, but I remember back in the day, we were that family where we wouldn't make cookies for the mail person. Like, we, my mom would literally bake cookies, we'd stuff it in the mailbox, and we knew the mail person by name, and they'd wave and say thank you and have a little Christmas card in there. As a kid, it seemed so cool. As a grown man, that's weird. And I'm concerned for any mail person that would eat cookies from a stranger that you don't know. This is America. People be crazy. There could be arsenic. There could be antifreeze in those cookies. Why are you, your mama didn't tell you don't eat from strangers? We started out with the mail person. Then it went on to FedEx or UPS. Remember when FedEx would show up and they would actually ring your doorbell? And they would stand there and wait for you to answer the door and, oh, good morning or good evening. And they have the little thing to sign and they'll actually put your package in the doorway. Those days are gone. If you're getting a package delivered at this point, it's coming at about 10 p.m. And you have that creepy uh, kidnapper's van <laughs> that pulls in front of your house about three or four times. I'm peeking out the one, who's this? Do I need to run upstairs and grab the piece that surpasses all understanding? I'm, I'm trying to figure out who's getting ready to break into my house. Some hooded figure comes out and they don't even walk up to your doorstep. They're about 50 yards away and they just chuck your package. <laughs> And I'm like, what in the world is going on? But guess what? I don't care as long as it's next day. I get really irritated when it says it's going to get here next day. And I look for it next day. And it's not there. Especially if it's a pair of shoes. I'm a little bit of a sneakerhead. And, and if I actually win one of them raffles and I got some shoes coming, listen, I am tracking that package from the warehouse. I'm like a kid waiting for Christmas. I'm on the app. I actually click the check and link that they send you. Your package has been labeled. It's labeled, y'all. It has been sent to the shipping center. Your, your package is on the truck. It's in Laurel, it's in Elkridge, and I'm tracking, I'm tracking. Sometimes I'll get busy at work and I, I won't be able to track it every hour like I normally do, but, but it says it's on the truck, so I know it's gonna be home when I get there. I get home, I go down the driveway, and I, I look at the front step, and there's no package on the front step. And that's okay, my wife's a woman of God. Clearly, she came out, she grabbed the package, and, and she put it on the countertop for me. So I, I park my car, I go on in this house, and I say, hey, babe, how are you? Where's my package? She goes, what package? There is no package. I'm losing my mind. I, I look online and 
They say, I'm sorry, it was on the truck. Now it's going to be delivered seven to 10 days from the devil is a lie. If I needed my package seven to 10 days from now, I would have ordered it six to nine days from now because it's next day shipping. I have no, come on, you ever been frustrated because you had to wait on a next day delivery? You ever been frustrated with God? Because he didn't deliver something when you thought he should? I, I, I know we're in church and, and you're not allowed to tell the truth in church, but... You don't have to say it, just think it. You ever thought God should have shown up by now? You ever thought, I, I, for surely I would have been healed by now? God, I thought you would have broken that addiction off of my loved one by now. I thought our marriage would be back in a good place by now. I thought my business would have expanded by now. God, y'all gonna learn about Stephen. I'm a little bit ignorant too, so I think things like this. I'm like, you created the whole world in six days. You telling me you can't provide a job in six months and you created the whole world in a week? God, what's going on? I know I'm the only one thinking this, but God, we still talking about a pandemic? You would have thought you could do something about it. Like things you don't say in church. The things you think. Hannah was in a position where she thought, surely God would have come through by now. Day after day after day, weeping and crying out to God for a child. Week after week, month after month, year after year. And I began to think, what is it about God? Why is it that it takes so long sometimes, or it feels at least so long for our prayers to be answered? I, I, I wish I had an answer for you. I don't think any theologian can give you an absolute answer of why every prayer doesn't come to pass. And, and if I, I knew all the answers, I wouldn't have 25 weeks to give you a whole series about it. I, I could give you a couple of thoughts off the top, though. I, I think one of the reasons why our, our prayers aren't answered in the speed that we want them to be is because actually God has answered our prayer, but it's held up in spiritual warfare. If you remember in Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel was praying to God for the deliverance of his people, the Bible says that after the 21st day when the angel arrived, here's what the angel said. He said, from the first day that you made a request unto God, I was dispatched to bring the answer, but I was tied up in 21 days of warfare. And as you prayed and fasted, now I have broken through. Some of us think that we pray and fast to twist God's arm behind our back. No, he's excited and anxious to answer your prayers, but you do have an enemy that you are at war at. And as you pray, as you fast, breakthrough takes place in your life. That's why I'm so grateful for our 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up in January. Our church does the same thing. It's not 21 days of trying to convince God to be on our side. It's 21 days of pushing the enemy back and taking hold of what God already has. For Somebody shout amen. Another reason why prayers don't get answered as fast as we want them to is because God just said no. <laughs> what do you mean no? I mean no. Your kids are actually, what do you mean no? I mean N. Oh, no. Hear me, if God ever says no to you, it is only because he has something better. 
The Bible says no good thing will he withhold from those who are walking uprightly. So here's what it means. If he's withholding it, it must not be good for you. God says, no, no, I'm not going to give you that. That is beneath you. I have something so much greater for you. I believe the third reason, and here's why I want to spend time on that. God withholds our answers or withholds our yes that answer to our prayer is because we're not quite ready. Because he understands if I were to give this to you now, you wouldn't understand the value, the potential of what I've placed in your hand. You, you would treat it cavalierly and you would miss out on all that I've given you. I, I grew up in one of those families where, where you did not get a new pair of Jordans every month. I, we, we weren't poor. Uh, we, we just had five children, five siblings. And for those of you with five kids, you know you're not poor. You just feel like it because there's a whole lot of mouths to feed. And my parents are just like, no, we're not buying you a new pair of shoes every month. You're getting one pair a year. We're going to buy them too big and put tissue paper in the toes so you can grow. Anybody grew up with the tissue paper in your toes, you're going to grow into these shoes. I said, mom, that's fine with me, but I want a pair of Jordans. My parents would say, great, do they sell Jordans at Payless? I said, no, 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 they don't sell Jordans at Payless. I said, well, you're not getting any Jordans because we got five kids to buy shoes for you. You want a jump man, you're going to get the Shaq dunk man. You're not, you're not getting any Jordans. And this went on for a while. By the time I was 13, I had had enough. And I said, listen, you don't understand, mom. You are messing with my reputation here, okay? I, 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 I got a standard to upkeep at the homeschool group that I'm a part of, mom. And, and, and I can't just walk around with anything on my feet. And she says, okay, okay, okay. And she had sympathy for me. So we went down to Foot Locker and, and she said, what do you want? I said, I want some forces, some Air Force Ones. I just want to get to stomping in my Air Force Ones. She says, yeah, so we go to the store, and I, I had men's sizes at that point. She grabs the Air Forces, looks at the price on the bottom. This was back in the 90s when forces were $70. They're probably $170 now, but they were $70 back then. She looks at the price, and she drops the shoe. <laughs> She's like, have you lost your mind? And I'm there interceding. I'm beseeching. I'm saying, no, you were there. We are this close. We cannot leave these behind. And she says, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you can save half of the money, if you can save $35, then I'll put $35 and you can get these forces. She said, here's the only rules. I'm not paying you to wash dishes. You don't wash dishes for money. You wash dishes to breathe my oxygen. And I'm not, I'm not paying you to clean your room. I'm not paying you to vacuum. If you're going to make money, it's going to be doing extra stuff, not the stuff you do just because you have my last name. And by the way, this was back in the day when they had no laws for how much you pay children. By the way, they still don't have any laws. So I'm making like a dollar a day. <laughs> it took me six months to save up my $35, but I had it. And we go back to Foot Locker and we walk in and I said, I, I need a pair of Air Forces. She goes in the back. She's like, you ready to check out? I'm like, hold on. The cashier didn't understand the magnitude of this moment, the sacrifice that had gone into this moment. I look at the shoe. Examine it. You got to make sure that it is perfect. I pay for it and I drive all the way home as if I was holding a newborn baby. <laughs> Take those shoes and I put them on my bed and I look at them. And, and a week goes by and I hadn't worn them yet. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks go by. My mom said, is there something wrong with the shoes? No. I'm just checking the weather every single day to make sure... <laughs> 
that the environment is the pristine conditions for my... You see, you don't just wear shoes when it's humid outside or, or raining. You got to make sure that it's the right moment. Four weeks in, it was that moment. Put on my forces, unpack them out the back. My mom's like, hey, I got to go. I got to go. I, I come down the stairs like... She's like, what are you doing? I said, I can't crease my shoes. You, you don't understand the sacrifice, the prayer, the, the travailing that went into this moment. You don't just put a new pair of shoes on and walk all over the place and crease them up. Hear me, some of us are asking things from God that if we got it all quickly in the second that we ask, we'd crease it up, we, we'd despise it, we'd ignore it, we'd act like it's no big deal. And God says, no, 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 no. You have to understand the magnitude of what I'm giving you. The Bible says that as Hannah prayed for this child, she wept in anguish to the point where the priest thought she was inebriated. When's the last time you bombarded heaven to the level where people thought you lost your mind? where people began to say, you're at that church again? You're praying again, you're fasting again, you're serving again, you sound like a Bible thumper. They don't understand, I'm going after God because he has something for me. So I'm looking at this passage, I'm just wondering, what is it about Hannah's prayer? What shifted that for years and years and years it seemed like heaven was closed up and in a moment she was pregnant? Ten months after that, she was holding her miracle. As I studied the passage, I should realize that God didn't change. Hannah's prayer did. For years and years and years, it's God, give me, God, give me, God, give me, God, give me. And then in chapter one, that prayer changed to not God, give me. But God, if you give me a son, God, I'll give him back to you. I realized that Hannah's prayer shifted from what I can get from God to God, what can I give to you? And I've realized that some of the reasons why my prayers are delayed or, or my prayers are postponed or, or they take long or they just don't happen is because oftentimes when I pray, I'm thinking about Stephen. Well, what, what can I get? How can I be blessed? And, and how can my goals and ambitions and dreams be moved forward? And God is saying, listen, you're important. You're great. I died for you. But the world does not revolve around you. And if you can get in your mind, it's not just about you, but I've called you to be a blessing to other people. If you can take that prayer and turn it around for the kingdom. You see, all Hannah wanted was a son. God wanted to give her a priest. The Bible says this, and James chapter four, verse three, it says this, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Question, if all of your pending prayers were answered, would it change your world or would it change the world? If everything I was asking God for came to pass, would it just bless me? Or would people around me be pointed to Jesus? Because I've realized when I make my life about pointing people to Jesus, when I make my life about more than just me, God says, I wanna answer, I wanna bless you because those around you will be blessed. In the next four hours that we have, I just wanna give you just three, just quick. <laughs> Six people just ran for the door. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. The first one is this. God needs us to switch 
from being a consumer to a distributor. We have to get this consumer mindset out of us and a distribution mindset in us. I, I, I watch mindless TV uh, uh, for no reason whatsoever outside of I just want to waste my life. And uh, <laughs> I was watching this documentary one time about one of the biggest online companies there is. I don't want to mention them. They prime a whole lot of stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was talking about their distribution centers. And they have multiple five to 10 distribution centers in every state. The one in Maryland is 1.2 million square feet. I don't know about you, but I have no concept of what 1.2 million square feet is. I looked it up. Here's what it is. 59 football fields. One building the size of 59 football fields. There are over 1 million products in that one building. Over 800 plus employees, hundreds of robots just waiting for you to click buy now. You ever notice, by the way, it just irritates me. You're on the app, you're ordering, you know, toilet paper, whatever you need. You just put buy now and it says it'll be here. And it never asks you for your credit card information. Like, what do you need my credit card? We saved your credit card. I didn't ask you to save my credit card information. Why do you have my card saved on your website? Don't worry, Russia will never get it. <laughs> it's like the moment you click buy now. And we may not realize this, but they have big brother has been watching you. And they know your tendencies, your proclivities. They know what you buy and they know when you buy it. And they make sure that that distribution center is stopped for the things that that community likes. And the second you click buy now, this whole thing goes into motion. A machine, a robot rushes over to aisle A, bin D, 26, and it grabs that Jergen lotion or whatever it is that you order. And it comes and it drops it in a box. A person's waiting there. They seal the box. They have a label. That thing is out the door in hours. Or sometimes you could order something at 11 a.m. and get it by 11 p.m. Remember kidnapper van hoodie? That deal. And I was watching this, as always, the Holy Spirit starts talking to me through a documentary. He says, Stephen, I feel like my people are confused about where they fall in the supply chain. We feel like we're the consumer at home saying, God, I need hope now. I need joy now. I need healing now or whatever. And we're waiting for it to be delivered. And God says, no, 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 no. You're not the consumer at home. You are the distribution center that is sitting there waiting for the world to make a demand on what I've already placed inside of you. The Bible says this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. We feel like what America needs is more of God. You know what the Bible says? What America needs is more of us. That God has placed all that we need for life and for godliness. And as the world around us is crying out for hope, for healing, for vision, for destiny, for purpose, God is saying, come on, church, this is your moment. I've placed it inside of you. They're making a demand on you. It's time to. Somebody say it's time to deliver. As they were talking in worship, if you know the story, the nation of Israel, they were in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. They start crying out to God, God, deliver us, God, save us. Do you know that God never answered their prayer? They're crying out to God for deliverance and God never, he never said, I'm coming, I got it. You know why he never answered? Because he was too busy talking to the solution, Moses. 
When the people cried out, God didn't answer. He went straight to the solution and said, I've called you for such a time as this. There's a people that you were designed to deliver. You have to understand there's people that are crying out to God and we are their solution. And God's waiting to say, hey, if we could just turn our prayers from God, bless me. God, how do you desire to bless others through me? The second thought is this. We need to look for orders to fill. We, need to, we have to attune our ears to this world's cry for Jesus. Because very rarely is it going to sound like, I need Jesus. It's going to sound a whole lot more like suicide attempts and substance abuse. All the other things that plague our society, it's the world crying out saying, we need Jesus. We need what you have. It's a passage, a story in Acts chapter 3, where it says there was a crippled man who was sitting outside of the temple. He was outside the church. A lot of the places where people are crying out for more of Jesus is not in the church. It's outside of the church. Peter and John, they were on the dream team, so they got there early. <laughs> they were showing up to set up and to make sure the cones were out and make sure that you had a great service. They're making their way. They're like, oh, it's going to be the first Sunday I'm on time to serve. This is going to be a good day. <laughs> they make their way in, and there's this homeless man saying, alms, alms for the poor. You can read it on your time. Peter looks at the man and he says, silver and gold I do not have. Now, I don't know if you like me or not, but it's okay. I'm going home after this service. We don't have to be friends. <laughs> it's going to be a little ignorant. As Christians, so often that's where we stop. I have a need. I'm sorry. I don't have your solution. But watch Peter and John. They didn't stop with what they did not have. They said, I don't have silver, I don't have, but that which I do have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Hear me, Jesus is not asking you what you don't have. He's not asking you to give away some business that you don't have. He's not asking you to write a check for $10 million. What he's saying is, what do you have? And if you'll just trust me with what you do have, I can do so much more with you. I, before I was in ministry, I was in bondage. I uh, worked for an insurance company. And if I'd be honest with you, I owe that insurance company every penny that they paid me because I did not work one honest days of work. I sat in my cubicle all day long. I would doodle on a piece of pad about build church buildings that I was going to build one day. I, I had my headphones in. I was listening to messages and preaching all day. I was a preacher before I was a preacher. And I'm sitting there one day and I'm listening to a message about supernatural healing. And my manager walks in in a full body brace. She had been in a car accident that night. She's in so much pain. Tears are streaming down her face. She said, I, I think I have a slip disc. I have an x-ray later. And, and she's just moaning and groaning all day long. Y'all, I'm listening to a message about supernatural healing. I was like, oh God, heal her. And he said, no, you do it. I was like, say, why not? <laughs> so I did whatever Bible-believing Christian would do. I sat in that cubicle, and I argued with the Holy Spirit for the next hour. I'm like, I'm not going to go pray for her. I mean, what if it doesn't work? Oh, they already think I'm weird because I go to church on Sunday. Like, I'm not. I, I wrestled. By the way, when you argue with the Holy Spirit, you should always lose. After about an hour, I was like, all right. So I go up to her office, hoping nobody's in there. There's three different people in her office. She's like, Stephen, did you need anything? I was like, I'll come back. She's like, no, 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 come on in. 
I said, what did you need? And I'm like, ah. I just wanted to pray for your back. Yo, I was planning on going up to her and putting my hand on her shoulder. She said, oh, come in and pray. Ah. Ah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yo, I put my hand on her back, and I prayed the weakest prayer you have ever heard. It sounded something like, Jesus, I pray right I prayed something like you said in your word, God, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And God, I pray that you'd heal her right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what happened when I finished praying? Nothing. She went, ah! And then she went back to sat down. I went back to my cubicle. I felt this big. I was like, Holy Spirit, I told you I shouldn't go in there. You see? An hour goes by, I'm actually doing real work now, I'm on the phone talking to a client, and she comes back from a smoke break and stands in front of my desk, and she starts going like this and jumping up and bending over, all this other kind of stuff. When I hang up that phone, she screams and she says, all the pain is gone, I'm healed. Stephen healed me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you ain't about to get me hit with lightning. That was Jesus, that was not me. But I'm sitting there confused. Hear me. Y'all, I didn't have much faith for that prayer. I wasn't thinking of some healing evangelist. God, heal! I'm like, God, how in the world did you work through that? God says, I don't need much to work through. If I can work through loaves and fish, don't you think I can work through a weak prayer? I just need somebody that is willing to say, I know what I don't have, but God, I'm willing to give you what I do have. And if you can, you, if you can use my business, if you can use my ability, if you can use my encouragement, if you can use what I have, God, I give it on to you. The last thing is just write this down. We need to recognize your limitless source. We need to understand that, that the source that we have is limitless. Could you imagine if a distribution center stopped distributing? If they said, I know that you ordered Jergens lotion, but it's our last Jergens lotion. And I'll send you some lotion when headquarters sends us five more. Isn't that what we tell God though? God, I can't give this away. This is my last. God, when you give me more, then I'll be generous. God says, no, 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 no. When you're generous, that's when I'll give you more. Some of us are holding on to the little bit of joy we have. Jesus, I only got 25 days worth of joy left. I don't know if you're counting, but there's 32 days left in the year. So that's already three days of depression. I, I don't have much joy to give away. If I give two days, that's a whole week, God. He said, no, 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 if you'll be generous with what I've given you. See, here's the thing with the distribution center. They only put enough on the shelf to distribute. Anybody in supply chain knows the most expensive thing for a business is sunk cost. It's miserable to have product just sitting on the shelf that's not being sold. So they want to make sure it makes it to the distribution center right when it needs to go out. Matter of fact, if there's product that's sitting on a shelf longer than a few days, they'll pull that product and send it to another distribution center that's actually sending it out. Almost sounds like Bible. And those who don't give the little that they have, that will be taken from them. 
I was like, as long as you live a life focused on meeting the needs of those around you, you will never go without. But if we get stuck in this consumer mindset, I says, you may not even have enough. As you read on in the story of Hannah, God blessed her with a son. His name was Samuel. One of the greatest priests ever recorded in scripture. She kept him until he was weaned, probably two, three years old. Made him a cute little priest robe. Then she kept her word. She went down to that temple. And y'all, she left her son there. Her firstborn son. I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? Everybody always wants the bad. That's why I'm going to give you the good news. Good news is this. God blessed her with six more children. Y'all, she prayed for one. God gave her seven. She had three more boys, three more girls. You can't outgive God. There is no way God is going to ask something from you that he doesn't have an ace up his sleeve, getting ready to bless you beyond anything that you can ask, think, or imagine. And if we could only understand, if God is asking me something, it's just a test to see if he can trust me with what he really wants to give Here's the bad news. She really did leave her son at that temple. There's no such thing as a person who has three kids that says, I love two of them, at least I got two. Could you imagine how heartbroken that mama was? Got six. But I'm not able to see my seventh every day. This is not a really encouraging way to end a message, but we're here. God calls us to sacrifice. God calls us to live beyond ourselves. And sometimes it hurts. And if the life that we're living is only for comfort, you're never going to step into the realm of being a world changer. But if you make up in your mind, my existence here on earth is not just about my comfort. But my existence here on earth, God, is to bring you glory and bring honor to your name. God says, everything that you've given up this side of heaven, I'm going to return back to it a hundredfold. And on the other side, you're going to receive eternal life. God says, you will be blessed. But there's a sacrifice that's required. And I'm telling you, if we would be a church that we lean into the discomfort, we lean into the sacrifice. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You are going to continue to see God do supernatural things for your family, your children, and your life. Can I pray for you? Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, you said there is no good thing that you withhold from those who walk uprightly. God, your plan and your purpose for us is greater than anything we could ever act, think, or imagine. In this moment, God, Everything you've given us, God, we return it to you. Just where you are, whether you're online, home, or in the room, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. I believe for many of you, God is asking you to give up the most valuable thing that you possess not your money. 
is control of your life. God's given us each a life. He's given us each time here on earth. But he's asking, are we going to give it back to him? And honestly, that's what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean you believe in God. It doesn't mean you go to church. It means that I have given all that I am. I've given control of myself to God. Made him the Lord of my life. And the Bible says that's where life begins. For every single person in the sound of my voice, if you say, Pastor, I've never given my life back to God. I've never given him control. But in this moment, I'm ready. It'd be my greatest honor, my greatest privilege to pray with you. If that's you, can you pray with me? Matter of fact, every single person under the sound of my voice, can we pray this together out of encouragement to those that are making the greatest decision ever? Say, Father God, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate with every single person that just made the greatest decision ever? God bless you. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. also want to encourage you to think about partnering with us. You know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.